We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and we have reached the end of the offseason. It's been an offseason with a tremendous amount of change for the Lakers roster. And we've gone into all of the details. I've changed my mind about a bunch of things a bunch of times. We've speculated and, and tried to figure out what this team will be to the best of our abilities. Today's pod is going to be a little bit different, though, uh, and we're going to zoom out. And rather than analyze, I want to get just kind of a temperature check on how all of us are just feeling about this team and this season coming up. So the way that the format's going to work is I'm going to present a question to the group, and I'm going to answer that question first. So that gives Darius and Mike some time to think about their answer, and we'll go around like that. And it's all going to be based on just kind of like what we're looking forward to coming up to this season. So with that in mind, I want to start with what are you guys most curious about this season? The thing that you're not sure what it's going to look like. And that can be on a bunch of different fronts. I'll I'll start. And I know this has been a, a topic that's been so discussed uh, in, in depth. I'm still holding a candle out for AD starting at the five, though. I think that that is the best version of our team. Now, that all, of course, comes with you want to save him from the wear and tear and what are the reasons why it hasn't happened before but the construction of this team even with DeAndre Jordan and yes I know I'm going back and forth about this uh I'm still holding a candle out there that this is perhaps something a direction that we will go in so that is for me the thing that I'm most curious about uh to, to start the season Mike let's start with you what are you most curious about with this team well since you started there Pete instead of giving you my own thing I'm just going to come back at your point and and then we can we can have the AD at the center debate again because because uh, I but I first want to know why after after you seem to be coming around to the fact that that didn't make as much sense based on sort of the uh, what they've done in the past the uh, what you just discussed where is your head at and why have you gone back there I mean it's not necessarily what I 
think is going to happen. I think there's enough of a possibility where I'm curious about whether or not it will. I don't even think that's the favorite. I think that we're more likely to start a conventional big. But I just think that style of play wise, that that is the this roster is most suited to do that and switch and run. And I think that having another big body on the floor next, next to Russell Westbrook would give us 16-ish minutes per game, 12-ish minutes per game, where we just where the spacing starts to cross over into that ter- territory of it's going to matter. And so I'm I, I I really believe that this roster is most suited toward that. Now, does that mean that he plays 40 percent and we start a traditional big, you know, and it's just like it was in 2020? I think that's the likeliest scenario. But it's I think that there's enough of a ray of hope that I think this team in particular, I'm more adamant about that than the previous two seasons. OK, yeah, I mean, so my answer was just going to be about Westbrook and but I'll let me stick on this topic for a second and just try to make my my thoughts on it simple that is their best lineup and that's why they finish games like that and that's why they'll continue to but I still like it more as the changeup as opposed to the fastball I, I like starting the other team with the big lineup even if it's just the Keith Bogans five minutes per half but most teams are going to still start a big anyway it does lessen the wear and tear it does seem to have some mental impact towards the positive on ad not just thinking that he's got to go through 82 games and try to get teams to play your style when i I just don't see the real purpose in that when you can always know that it's there to go to once the game naturally gets to that spot so um that that's i'm gonna stay on that point even though i see what you're saying i and again i don't even know how much we disagree we're basically talking about the start of the first and the third quarter and adding those and just not playing a traditional big at all? Or would you come off the bench with, you know, Dwight or DeAndre and then play a different way with the second unit? And Darius, obviously jump in wherever you want here. Yeah, DeAndre wouldn't be in my rotation, ideally, right? So I'd rather be... Yeah, go ahead. Pete, like, I don't want to put words in in your mouth here, but to me, this, this comes down to, all right, if you start with... If all three of the centers play, there's a very strong likelihood that one of those guards slash wings isn't going to play as much, if at all. And so if the choice is between finding minutes for potentially Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington. That's exactly it. Right. Or giving 10 to 12 token minutes a game to DeAndre Jordan. Right. Then I'd rather give those 10 or 12 minutes a game to Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington. You can. You just do it off the bench unit instead of the starting unit. Then you just start twice yeah, and but don't play DeAndre. You got to play harder. one big, don't you? Yes, you do have to play one, so, yeah. one big. But I think Vogel is likely. I don't think. I think if you start. So let's say you start Jordan. Basically, if you or let's say you start Dwight. And AD is the changeup. I do not think the starting center is going to be a f- four shift a game player, right? Like, so I don't right. think the. I think AD is probably going to be if he starts at the if he starts at power forward, he will likely cap out most nights most nights at twenty minutes a game at center. Yeah, I, I was just trying to say what I was curious about going into the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, I, I'm not so, trying to argue the. No, like, no, no. We, but, we've done it so many times. Yeah, but but I I can understand why you're curious about it though, Pete, because I think it does sort of speak to where Vogel's head head is, and it does have lineup implications in in uh, different ways. And so I'm curious about that too. 
anyway. What are you what are you curious about when I give you that question? What are you most curious about uh, this season coming up? I'm still curious about how committed the team is going to be defensively. Honestly, I think that when you assemble this much talent offensively, like besides what their strengths and weaknesses are on defense, right? And like how good a defensive player you are and how much that is a part of your individual identity as as a player. I'm very much interested in when you score and you score easily, it's very easy for you to sort of fall into the mindset of we'll get it back on the other end. That's right. Right. And so there is a commitment that I think Vogel wants from this team defensively. And I think he's going to push to get it. I'm very interested to see if he gets it. And if he does get it, if he gets it as consistently and to the level that he wants over the course of a full 82 game season, because if he does, he should probably be coach of the year considering what the baseline level of defensive talent is out of the top like three or four defensive players on the team and the type of commitment that Vogel typically wants from his full team defensively. And so that's Mm -hmm. still an area where I'm just curious, how hard do they go defensively? Last year's team went hard. The 1920 team went hard. Will this team go as hard as those teams went? I think that's an open question and I don't know the answer, but I'm curious to see which way it goes. Very much so. There's going to be one of the first questions I have is what kind of shape are they in? That's going to be great to see on, on media yeah. days, just what everyone looks like. There's going to be a, I, I mean, I'm optimistic about the uh, degree of accountability that there will be between them. But yeah, like you said, when you can put up buckets, it's easy to win them games, 130 to 125, and it takes a lot less effort, you know, and a lot less energy. Well, it may also be too like, oh, do we have six minutes? In, like, are they going to be one of those six minute teams? Right? I can totally like, see that hey, where they lock in for six. six. Yeah. I'm going to lock in right now. Oh, it's the middle part of the third third quarter. We're going to strangle you now. But you may that may be the only stretch where you get that like top gear defense. And the two years previously under Vogel, that team committed to that top gear much more often than that. Right. And so it's just something I'm still curious about and we'll be interested to see which way it goes. For sure. Let's let's flip that uh, kind of the to the other side of like what you're most nervous about. Uh, Mike, in the last pod, you mentioned that you've gotten to the point where you're excited about the Westbrook edition and how it fits with fits in with LeBron. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth by by any means, but where. Where's kind of the trepidation at the beginning? Like the first time you heard, hey, we're looking to make a move for Westbrook. What was that journey like for you? Because I'm sure there's there's some degree of like, yeah, I have to look into certain aspects of that to to get to that point where you're excited. Yeah. So let me do let me see if I can flip this here, because I, I don't know if I have any different or new thoughts from Westbrook from the Westbrook pods. So I would encourage anybody to just go back and listen to those for sure. um, again. But the, the thing that I was going to say for curiosity, you could list as a concern, right? So uh, let me, let me try to put it like this. Baysmore, Ellington, you know, THT, Malik Monk, and Kendrick Nunn. Which of those guys can really be trusted in a big game uh, down the stretch of a game? Are, mm-hmm. Is there going to be somebody that emerges out of that group? Is it, like, we know what some of the skill sets are. We know about Ellington as shooting being the thing and his defense isn't as strong. Uh, there, is, it, there isn't as much evidence and data from Monk just given where he's been playing. 
and none is just still, you know, entering his third year THG. We know very well, we just did a whole pod on THG, but that's, I think the point of the roster where you need one or two of those guys to be able to be counted upon. And I don't know for sure which one it is. And so that's, it's both curiosity and a bit of trepidation in thinking that you're not, you're not entering the year knowing, yeah, you know what, starting two starting shooting guard spot, like, that's that's great. That's going to be on lockdown this year. So that would be that would be the first thing that comes to mind. So for me, Mike, it, it, it actually falls in line a little bit with that. It's sort of a cousin of that idea. Um, I'm wondering how how big Vogel how what type of rotation he's going to commit to in terms of size. Last year, he really did start out the year trying to play 11 or 12 guys like he saw so much talent on that bench that he was really trying to build out a rotation with all, with everyone who could play in it. I'm sure the quick turnaround factored into that too, right? Where you don't want to play too many guys, too big minutes early on, on that quick turnaround. Yes. Yes. Though Vogel also showed his first season that he really did want everyone to sort of be involved. And, and he's spoken openly about, I don't want guys to wither over there on the vine and like not get minutes every once in a while, at least. And I think that I'll be very interested. Rob Polink has given him a deep team and a lot of guys who can play. And Mike highlighted it, I think in the backcourt really well there and, and, and on the wing and figuring out how to get the most out of all of these players and how, and does that mean I actually don't play some of them in order to get the most out of the ones who I decide deserve it early in camp or through the regular season and what that decision-making process looks like around that. And, And I'm, I'm honestly nervous about it, not because of the potential like chemistry fallout, right? Because I think the, leadership on the team is good enough to to help with that but it's another sort of hurdle and challenge that I think this team has to face that another team who really only has seven or eight good players doesn't really have to worry about that and um, it's a concern to me that as you shuffle around and try to manage that that maybe you end up not getting the best out of players because it's just harder for them to get in a rhythm and all kinds of other factors that are really interpersonal relationship things rather than how good of a player you are, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. My, it's funny. Mine is a, a cousin of both of yours, your guys' points. I, I like to make lists, right, of different types of lineups. And, you know, and so I, I made, you know, some lists this past weekend of, of like, this, these are our most switchable guys, one through 10. These are our best perimeter defenders, one through 10. This is, these are our best floor spacers and, in a couple of different ways of looking at it. And there are a couple of places defensively in particular where I feel like we're one guy short and this plays into Mike's point of what can Kendrick Nunn be, especially on the defensive end? What can THT be? I think we're a lot of our hopes are kind of pinned on THT making a leap on the defensive end, even more than the offensive end. I think that that's necessary when I make those lists out of like, say we're in a playoff series and we've got to be able to switch We've definitely got a one through five lineup that that can switch. That said, 
if once you get to the sixth guy, <laughs> you start like, hey, you know, am I asking Kendrick Nunn to be physical with a big down low? Am I asking Wayne Ellington to do something that he can't do? Or Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan in a completely different way, asking them to do something that they can't do? It starts getting thin after a certain point, and that's kind of led me to this conclusion that I think we're one defender short of what we need. Now, that's not an ir- irresolvable uh, issue. We've never gone into the playoffs with the same team that we've begun the season with. But that it, along those lines, right, is like you start getting into uh, kind of leap of faith guys in certain scenarios when you get a little bit too deep into that. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue giving our final thoughts on the season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, this one just... Pure excitement. What are you excited about, fired up, what you're looking forward to when you envision what the 21-22 Lakers look like? For me, I think Russ is going to infuse this team with a certain degree of spirit and energy. One thing I've noticed from doing a lot of the media stuff and chopping the videos for, for all that is the degree to which these guys get along and they know each other. There's relationship there. So while it's a new team, there is a lot of common thread between this group of guys, Mike, and just the life and spirit. You talked so much last year about how, how, what a weird vibe it was in Staples Center with none of the fans there. We're going to have the fans back. Just the, the juice and spirit that I think that is going to naturally happen with the players, but I think Russ is going to really uh, accelerate that. That's what I'm most excited about this season. I think we're going to have a lot of fun moments. You know, Pete, I realized that with your first question, I, instead of just accepting your feelings and accepting your AD at the five dreams, um, I just couldn't help myself but to counter that point. So I am now going to make up for it by just agreeing <laughs> with the statement that you made. Because I, it is it's not to be agreed no, with. No, 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 it's not because just it's to be correct. agreed with or not agreed because with. Because it's correct. I'm just curious about AD at the five, that's all. That's that it's going to happen. And, and I, I'm trying to apologize. We're moving on. To, sometimes I don't just let people have feelings. I need, I need, I need things to be fair and accurate and right. So that's that's just my personality. Uh, but I also am a caring person, and I do I do 100% agree with what you just said about Russ and the fans. And I think more of a specific moment is watch Russ. So if you get a chance, either on if you're watching on Spectrum or if you're happen to be lucky enough to be in the arena. 
Just watch what Russ does for like the 10 minutes before tip off. Watch the energy, like watch him bounce around with teammates. Watch, watch the intensity, watch like when he goes up for a pregame dunk, watch all that stuff. And then right before tip, watch him sprint into one of the corners. I don't know which one it will be because of course it's the new arena, but he will take like a full direct sprint and look up, hopefully like up to the 300 level. And then he will pound his chest super hard like three or four times and scream and then he will just be launched out of a cannon into the game and that to me again hopefully we will have the full crowd or at least something close to it and feeling that level of energy that that just was not able to be there last year that that to me is going to be awesome and that is the first thing that i'm most excited about and most looking forward to so for me i'm i'm very happy you guys focus on russell westbrook um, I think that's been a theme of this offseason when you talk about the Lakers and any point of analysis, it seems to start with Russell Westbrook. So I'm going to pivot and I'm going to do what I've done because I'm most excited about Anthony Davis, personally. Um, AD is one of the best handful of players in the entire world. And for some reason, and I get it, I've said this on a bun- bunch of pods, like the the just the stature and sort of like the 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 very nature of the personalities of Russ and LeBron makes it so that they seem to take up a lot of oxygen in the room. But Anthony Davis's game can speak just as loudly as either of those guys. And I remember him drawing like a billion fouls against the Grizzlies and going to the line and fucking making them all right. Making every single free throw. Oh, like, look, there's a 40, 20 night from Anthony Davis. Oh, there's a 38, 15, five, four and three night from Anthony Davis. Oh, look, AD just got a block and then he pinned it against the backboard and then he grabbed it and then he went behind the back and then he no looked a pass to someone who got a dunk. Oh, look, AD with a lob. Oh, look, oh, look, oh, look, oh, look. It's Anthony Davis. And for some reason, this offseason, there's not been a lot of talk about, oh, look, it's Anthony Davis, right? And I think a lot of that had to do with the way his season went last last year, and we've talked about this a ton. But if you're asking me, what am I most excited about? It's Anthony Davis reminding everyone that he's Anthony Davis because that dude... He's told you he's that dude. And if he comes back and decides, I'm going to remind y'all again, I'm that dude, then a lot of people are going to be in trouble. And it's going to start with the dudes on the other team. They're going to be in trouble. And so if I'm excited about one thing, it's AD sort of being like, hey, yeah, remember me? I'm Anthony Davis. And I think Russ is going to help him with that, honestly. 100%. And Russ will be helped by that. Yes. Like, if there are nights where Russell Westbrook is the player you have to worry about the third most, that is that is really problematic. Like, it's not that Westbrook can't be stopped. It's just you have to pay attention to him. That's one of the things about him that I'm really excited about. It's just You just have to dedicate resources to stop him, and you can do that. But when there are too many of those guys, it starts to become really problematic. And one of the ways that it does, I want to give one more thing that I'm excited about. I am Fingers crossed that Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington do not experience some Lakers-esque seven percentage point drop in their three-point shooting. Because from watching them on tape, guys, 
we've we've had defenders. We talked about how we've had D and three guys in the past rather rather than three and D guys. Neither guy is prom- providing much in terms of defense. But I forgot what a shooter looks like. Ben McLemore has this a little bit, but he doesn't have the ball handling of Malik Monk. And when Ellington is kind of a size and technician guy that he didn't have that either. But McLemore is the closest we've had the last couple of seasons. I am super excited to watch guys who can really just let it fly from, from distance this season. And I think that the surrounding team is very much, very much built for, for that to, to happen. No, you, Pete, I'm, I'm with you. And the whole, the whole element of we've spent a lot of time on the three versus D and the D versus three. So there is a part of me that's very curious to lean into that more. And just to say, let's, let's just see how they do with letting it fly and focus more on the back line of the defense. And it just, I'm, so I think that's a, an apt way to, to characterize it while acknowledging that they did win the title, right. Playing the way that, that they didn't need it to be at that certain level. But Sure. That doesn't mean that they can't they couldn't also win a title by pulling a little bit of that of that defense back in favor of more three-point shots. It's just a different makeup of a team that we haven't seen before. So it's definitely something to be curious and excited about. And and, and those are the types of things, Mike, that like I'm excited about it, but I'm less bullish about its playoff potential. One of my theories about this team is I actually think we're gonna I think we're going to be a great regular season team, health willing. Everything hinges on on health. But I think we're going to be an extremely difficult matchup in the middle of the season. And I think we will be in the playoffs as well. But I think our weaknesses are more exploitable in a seven-game series. And that's where I give this question to you guys is what will our playoff fortunes, what do you think that they will hinge on? This is not binding. Obviously, you don't know who we're going to play. But from my perspective – the thing that I'll be paying attention to most this season is can we fly around on the perimeter? Can we close out to the three-point line? Because I think that our the, the better teams in the league are really going to challenge us on that front. So for me, I will be watching all season long, Darius, on whether or not we can rotate around the perimeter and get out there. Where do you stand on that? And what is, what do you think that our playoff fortunes, health aside, of course, are, are going to hinge on? Yeah, and I, I mean, I made this point earlier, right, about the defense. And part of defense is habits. And are you building the appropriate habits throughout the regular season? And so I think it's it's twofold when it comes to your point, Pete, about, like, what can they do defensively? There is there is what's possible because of what are your individual and team limitations based off of personnel. And there is, like, what do you have access to? based off of how much you've actually practiced it and how much sure. you can actually call on the thing that 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 you supposedly have in you, right? And I think both of those are open questions about this team defensively. To me, it's related to the defense. It's that I think a lot of this team's offensive identity is going to be wrapped up in that idea of transition and how devastating they could be in transition. And yeah. for me the playoffs are going to be this testing ground for the team about how often can you get into those situations where you can play to the best version of yourself more often and dictate the terms of engagement and dictate the flow of the game. And it are the Lakers able to do that round after round after round the year that they won the championship, they were able to do that. And 
a lot of that was predicated on defense, but other parts of it was just predicated on commitment and saying, guess what? We're going to push. We're going to run. We're going to be the bigger, stronger, faster team. And some of that was the opponents that they played. Some of that was how good the Lakers were on defense. And some of it, like there was a formula, right? And a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But if there's a part of the playoffs that I am very, if, if the Lakers are able to be like, yeah, guess what? 20%, 22%, 25% of our offensive possessions were transition possessions. Mm -hmm. This team should be favored to win the title. Right. That, that gives that, you a really that gives you a really high floor, right? Where you yes. get all these because it's so hard to score in the playoffs that if you can get these possessions where you're not going up against a five on five defense, it just gives you something to build off of that is very difficult to get to. But I think we can get there. And the players that the Lakers have as transition players are too good at it. Right. It's one thing to say, like, oh, we're going to get a bunch of trans transition possessions. But if you don't have good transition players, it doesn't matter. But the Lakers have LeBron James. They have Russell Westbrook. They have Anthony Davis. And then they have other big guys who are rim running big players. And they have and, shooters who can and, shoot in transition. And it, even Nunn and Bazemore, that's one yes. of the strengths of their offensive game. Yes. And so for me, Mike, that's sort of where I am at with – that's one of the things I'm looking for most when it comes to playoff stuff is the nature of the playoffs is grind it out. It slows down. It's harder to score. And and teams are going to really force the Lakers, I think, or try to force them to play in the half court because in theory that's where their weaknesses are going to lie offensively. And so can the Lakers buck that? Can they say no? No, you can't make us do anything. We're going to play, play to that style. That's a thing that I'll be very interested in when it comes to the playoffs and what their success looks like. I don't want people to overcomplicate things too much with this Laker team. And just remember, the AD that Darius was alluding to a couple of moments ago, that dude, AD, is a top five player in the NBA. We know that LeBron is. So that's where you're starting. It's simple. The, these guys dominate both sides of the court. Russell Westbrook is now the third best player. And typically when you get a roster and you've got three guys that are getting all the money, you're not going to have much left. But I would argue that they actually have some decent depth relative to what they those do. three stars are. They have some yeah. other guys that can play. They have some guys that do have some upside. They have some guys that even if they're on the, the certainly the twilight of their career, they know how to play basketball. And like they can out, they can get out there and at least give you 10, 15 minutes of that old man game. And that dude is still not the Anthony Davis, that dude, the dude at the gym who just knows how to play basketball. He's still going to get a couple buckets on you. He's still going to make a good backdoor pass. Like he's still going to be in the right spot and take a, a charge defensively as long as he's not asked to do too much. So the makeup of this team is still better than the way that it's being discussed because the popular Twitter joke is that it's the old dude show. And it's really not because LeBron James doesn't play like an old dude. He plays like a monster still. So, and that's still the most important part. So that's, that's my little spiel, my little spiel about let's not overcomplicate this too much. Like this team is still nasty. Now, if I want to give you a flip side and give you a question mark to come back, it's just more of the, the defensive thing and are there five guys who you really, really trust on the court to do the switching and the rotating and the scrambling the way that just took teams out of what they wanted to get done in those postseason series? And if the answer is no, then maybe you can get one 
an, an additional one at the trade deadline. But if not, then you can lean into some of the what the other strengths are. And you're like, all right, yeah, sure, you can get bias on the perimeter here and there. But then we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to leave a, a certain spot from the perimeter to protect the rim. But you're gonna have to make those shots over and over in the over the course of a series. And you're still not gonna stop LeBron, Russ, AD from getting to the rim on the other end. So there are some antidotes to it. But that's my little big picture plus small concern <laughs> all tied together. Well, that no, for sure. But that's what's so fascinating about this team is that's a pretty severe dial turn from last season in terms of the surrounding parts. And yet the foundational components are still the same, even with the addition of Russell Westbrook and all of that that means. And so my, my like final thoughts for, for this going into the, uh, Next time you hear from us is going to be after media day. So my final thoughts going into that is just a degree of curiosity and fascination about the build of this team. Whenever the team makes a move, I, I have a great deal of respect for the people that are uh, that make the decisions that go into the overall uh, the overall think tank of the Los Angeles Lakers. And so whenever they make a move, I my first instinct is to be like, well, what's their argument for it? And I look at this team and I think there's a great argument for it. And then there's an argument where if we lose in the playoffs because we shot 28% from three for a series and we had clunky spacing with Russell Westbrook, there will be an obvious like, of course, that's how it ended, right? There will be a, a huge contingent of people that says that's exactly what we were saying all along. But there is a cohesiveness in the theory of this team let me know if I don't make sense with this, but the theory of this team being that we're going to dominate athletically, we're going to have on many nights, guys, we're going to have the three most athletically imposing players on the floor at the same time. That almost never happens in the NBA where you have the three top guys and on the vast majority of nights, we'll have at least three out of the four most imposing just athletes, put skill aside, but just in terms of athletically. And so when you have that, where do you want to be good? And how are you going to be good? It gives you the ability to switch because in more off instances than not, you have a superior athlete that's able to bridge the disadvantage of being switched on to, you know, Anthony Davis switched onto a guard isn't like another big being switched onto a guard. Russell Westbrook having to get belly up with a rolling center isn't like a smaller guard having to get belly up with him. And so you leverage that, then you get into transition, like like Darius said, right? And all of it makes sense flowing from one thing to the next. When all of that, and then the big difference on this team is that when everything crashes down and collapses, you have a lot more shooting than you did last season. And so that the basketball theory of this team is fascinating to me, and I'm super excited to see what it looks like on, on the floor. So guys, uh, what are your guys' final thoughts on the season? I mean, for me, it's just, I'm super interested in another remade Lakers roster, whether it was when Rob Polinka was there with Magic Johnson or after Magic left and every season since, right? The Lakers have basically turned over their roster by half or more every single season. And 
there is always this interesting component of newness and freshness that comes with that, but also more questions because it is fresh and it is new. I think the return of there are some familiar faces that are coming back this year with Dwight and with Rondo that I think can be in their own way a stabilizing thing. And I think with some of the veterans that they brought brought on, we are very familiar with their games. And Pete, I think the common thread idea of these guys know each other from around the league from, from just being NBA veterans. Like I think that's going to help help too. But I think about when you were talking about like, Oh, what are your final thoughts? I think about like, what's it going to be like for Carmelo Anthony this year? What's it going to be like for Trevor Ariza? What's it going to be like for Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington? And, and where do these guys fit and how do they fit well? And where do they not fit as well? And how do you navigate that? And those are all open questions because it is a brand new team again. Mike, I remember when you were making the argument for what should the what should the team that's being brought back look like after the team won a championship? And you were arguing more for like, hey, go get one dude. One dude who's going to play an important role, who is going to bring that hunger, but there's value and stability when the team just won the championship. Well, clearly the front office said, A, the circumstances with the COVID season and the short off season and everything else, like we need more reinforcements than that. And that's the direction that, that they went. And it didn't work out for a variety of reasons. And so the then pivot again to, hey, let's rebuild it again. And so there are so many sort of, I don't want to call them open questions like there's uns- like there's a ton of uncertainty, but the point about curiosity that Pete keeps making, I think a lot of that, it, for me at least, is born out of the idea of we know how a lot of these players play. We just don't know how they're going to play together. And that is super interesting to me. It's super intriguing, especially when you start with a baseline level of talent. Like you always say, Mike, with let's not overcomplicate it. They got LeBron and Anthony Davis, and now they've got Russell Westbrook too. Like those are some talented dudes. They're going to work work it out. But the the nature of my fandom and how I watch the game is like the devil's in the details. And I want to see all of those little things play out on on the basketball court. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this all goes. The way that I'm thinking about this season now and kind of the I'm going to put it in the in the mind of LeBron or the mind of Anthony Davis, the mind of Russell Westbrook, who are three superstar players, three guys that have a lot of collective accolades, but they somehow, I think, can convince themselves that they're not being respected this year, that they're not being picked to win the title, that they're old. Amen. You know, that mm-hmm. they're not that dude. And and take AD to an extent from that being in his prime physically, but people are not, as you said earlier, Jairus, people aren't talking about mm-hmm. AD at all. He's not being discussed. And, and he he is an absolute monster on the court um, when he's right physically. So – That, to me, can filter down everything else. Talk about all the X's and O's that you want, and and we will on the Laker Film Room podcast. Talk about what Vogel's going to do defensively and are they going to have enough shooting in certain lineups with Westbrook. But but ultimately, if those guys believe that they're being disrespected, and I think that they do, by the way, Mm -hmm. then then that's Mm -hmm. that's an amazing way to enter a season when the talent is at that level. 
that is that is something that you cannot you cannot fabricate that kind of uh, that kind of chip for guys that are that accomplished. It has to come by circumstances in which the Lakers got got out last year in the playoffs in the first round. But we know that that's because of the bubble, or at least that's my belief. Okay, I won't speak for you guys. They they were not. I don't care what you did with the roster. It was not going to work to have LeBron and AD win back-to-back titles in that over the course of the ridiculous length of the combined pandemic season. So uh, you also couldn't have you couldn't have had Russell Westbrook go from team to team to team on that contract and and have him come in as the third guy with everything that he's thinking and have, has who has yet to win a championship by the way. So that to me is what is what is more important than anything else that happens on the roster this year and. I think that that gives them a really good opportunity to win the championship. It should be a very exciting season. Looking forward to this one quite a bit. Uh, that brings us to the end of the the off season. Thank you to everybody who's listened. We've uh, kept a pretty pretty good pace throughout the the off season. We're going to take this next week off. Um, you know, we had Westbrook week, a couple of basketball gods pods. Jovin, you know, had a couple of great guests and Royce Young and PD Webb just got into a lot of details of a lot of change. Um, and the next time you hear from us, you'll have seen everybody, at least in media day. But before we close it out, Darius is actually going to lead us out today. He's got got something to, to share. So just really quickly, um, I just want to give a shout out to my boy, Richie, who passed away recently over Labor Day weekend. He was one of my best friends, and he was like a brother to me. Um, some of y'all know who have followed my work for a while. I lost my only brother, who was my blood, right, um, a few years years ago. But in the aftermath of that, it was my second family who looked out for me, and Richie was one of those dudes. And so to lose him now has been hard for me. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and so I just want to give a shout out to him, his brother, Chris, his parents and his whole extended family, which is literally hundreds of people who feel about him the same way that I do. And so shout out to Rich. He was a huge Celtics fan. And so, you know, if I got <laughs> tears in my eyes now and and he was a big Celtics fan, you know, that love was real from me. And that was my boy. And, and so for real, Rich, my guy, rest in peace. You were a one of one, my guy. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around right. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Miss it. Bryant. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. 
And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.